and welcome to the Glacially Musical Podcast. It is beer, metal, swearing. I, of course, am Nick Cameron of Glacial Musical, joined by my good friend, an artist of well-renowned who fits a certain niche of nostalgia, Kitchy Chakas. How are we doing today, buddy? Kitchy Chaos, like Matt Heafy? I take that as a compliment, sir. Uh, th- this is a shorter, short episode, so we're just going to blow through it. We're doing fine. That's how we're doing. Beer check, vinyl check, news, shirt check, maybe, business, business, business. Okay, so uh, beer check, the Voodoo Ranger by New Belgium. We're familiar with it. Yes, pouring. Straight down the finger fudge. Also, Off to a, a good microphone. start with the finger fudge. Have a new microphone set up. Hopefully it sounds better. I All feel right. like it could. I thought you were tuning in using your NPR voice. I was digging it. Oh, yes. Welcome to the Glacier Musical Podcast. Fuck you. I have no words. So yeah, Voodoo Ranger, you're well familiar. It's a good yes. beer. Crushable. Good beer. Hypey. Not crushable, but, but hoppy and lovely. Not crushable. All right. I'm drinking a brand new beer for the first time ever, and it is a band beer because we never did that episode. So now I'm going to start drinking these band beers more yeah, than I've already been. It might happen someday. This is uh, Alesmith's Sublime Mexican Lager. Let's hope this beer is less mid than that band. Um, if there was a if there was a band that identified like rapey frat boys. Good luck. Okay. And, uh, uh, go ahead and give me your vinyl check. I cannot because my hands are wet with beer. So you're oh, gonna balls. Have, you're going to have to do it. First. <sighs> this ruins it then. Okay. My vinyl check is actually prescient mm-hmm. as to a news item. Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Uh, I don't know it's... the name of this thing. Rumors? Self? No, it's not rumors. Self-titled, I guess. I oh, don't know. All right. uh, I mean, that's yeah. a... Yeah, Fleetwood Mac got it for ten bucks, mostly for the family, not for me. Not a big fan personally, but you know you cannot argue the talent there. And of course, the news item is Christine McVie. <clears throat> excuse me, passed away today. So you know, rest in power, Christine. Hell of a career, hell of a singer. So what more can you say? Not much to say. Very sad. Just very sad. I mean, uh, she had a short illness, seventy nine. It's not young. It's not that old. It's kind of old, but uh, I just I'll just add this one thing because there's nothing else to add. It's like for all the people that worship Stevie Nicks and she's worshipable. Stevie Nicks got to be Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac because Christine was holding it down. Right. Not, it's not taking away anything from Stevie, but I'm just saying like all the things you love about Stevie Nicks are enabled because other people in the band were laying back. So Stevie and Lindsay could take over and come in and do their thing. Correct, correct, correct. Maybe worth a run someday. I know you're not a fan. You just said so. Um, not a fan. What is this your beer is check? delicious, by the way. Oh, beer I'm is delicious. Because I hate, I don't, I don't like Mexican lagers too much. I don't either. They're everywhere here. They're hard to avoid. And Sublime, mm-hmm. again, a severely mid band. Drunk karaoke band only. Not something I would sit around and listen. Gonna just quickly pour. Oh, that's way too foamy. But all right, we knew that anyway. Finger fudge. Finger fudge the pour. It's all foam. <laughs> it's like a, Artificial insemination plants. Here is the vinyl and also prescient to my news item. I got it last week. I mentioned I had it, but I hadn't opened it. Here is Machine Head's 
of Kingdom and Crown from 2022. This is ordered in February. This is a limited edition black and red splatter. I will quickly show you it. The packaging is beautiful. Why is it important? Because today, Ghost Gold Magazine, which I own and run, released its albums of the year. And guess what the album of the year was on Ghost Cult Magazine this year as voted by the staff of Ghost Cult? The new Tori Amos record. No, this record, Machine Head. Oh, oh, two, okay. Out of 276 records, friends of mine in private chats are making fun of us. I, why didn't we have some other band? Here's the Machine Head. Just Oh, that's a beauty. Brutally splat. pulled out by my bare hands. Fingerprints already over the brand new record. But like, how sick is that? Beautiful. That Worth is a... waiting for. Records that is the since... best, best black and red splatter I've seen. The, the Machine Head does not f around when it comes to merch or vinyl. It took a long time to get this. The entire layout is beautiful. We don't have time to go through it all right now, but it is correct. Correct. Is, um, highly recommend. Ten of ten. Uh, this record to me. Uh, of course, the big news of the oh shirt check. I am rocking my Dungeons and Dragons uh, house sweatshirt. If you look closely, it does say Dungeons and Dragons in Japanese right there for some reason. Which is why I was willing to spend $40 on this shirt, which is too much for this shirt. However, you got a little sniffle there, buddy. You feeling okay? Yeah, I just had a, a, a little burpee, actually, which is the first time I've been burpee since the finger fudge. Anywho, my news item of the day is, of course, what we all know, we've all heard about, and there will be plenty of glacially musical podcast coverage of this as it goes on just going to mention it as a teaser as we have all heard metallica has released a new single metallica has announced 72 seasons their 11th record and they beat the time difference between death magnetic and hardwired to self-destruct by just a minute instead of it being eight years it was only six so, as James said, when I saw him live, whose idea was it to wait eight years? Well, you only waited six this time, buddy. So, you know, you're, you're getting better. Wait four for the next one. But uh, the And tour dates are announced. There are two St. Louis dates, just like there are two dates everywhere. There are only seven American cities getting this tour, and mine is one of them. Fortunately, I'm going to have to wait till the general sale in January to, to buy tickets, but... Uh, Pantera is opening, Five Finger Death Punch is opening, Mammoth is opening, all kinds of all, all, all kinds of people. We'll get more on that as news comes out, of course. I'm going to add two quick things about this, and we're not going to have a second topic tonight in the interest of time. So, one, you want to go night one, because night one is Pantera, and night Correct. two, so each city, no repeats, that's the premise of the tour. I'm so stoked about it. I want to talk about the album. I want to talk about the song next week. But like the tour is the thing because Pantera had no American dates yet except North America, Mexico, but not Mm -hmm. America, USA. So night one is Pantera and other bands, Mammoth. Night two is Fibering Death Punch. A lot of people want to go night one and don't want to go night two. I will say that Fibering Death Punch sells a lot of tickets, will bring in their own fans. It's, It's a very good matchup for both bands. Here's the thing that's interesting. A lot of people are hateful about this tool. Like, why doesn't Metallica ever take out an underground band? Because it's Live Nation, it's Ticketmaster, and it has to sell tickets. The other little quick bit of news about this tour is they announced um, add-ons and special ticket platforms, including a platform you can be on stage for $7,000 for you and your group of seven other friends. There are There is the I Disappear ticket is back. 
You can get one for one year, $1,000 every Metallica show in the world, one, one premium ticket, $1,000 every show on the tour. $2,300, I think, for the two years. Because again, like it's two years of tours. So I think we are seeing maybe not the end game of Metallica, but they have just mapped out for their own convenience the next two years of their life. And they're not going to do, I don't think they're going to do, it leaves space to do other things, but I don't, I really doubt it. They're doing, year, next year is going to be the heavy year. The mm -hmm. 14 shows and all the European festivals and maybe a special appearance here and there if they come yeah, back to the Yeah, this is not, and it's not, neither year of this tour is grueling. This is not a classic Metallica tour. This is, this is a Metallica Rolling Stone style tour. And yeah. Yeah. That's why they can play two nights in St. Louis because there's no Chicago date. There's no Minnesota date. Yeah, they're going to pull in people from everywhere. I'm going to yeah. try to go at least to one. Here, Here's just the last thing. I'm going to leave you with this and we're going to answer it in the ether later. When the F did they make this record? Because how and when did they make this? Because they were saying, oh, you know, we got a long way to go. It's not right, which is, you know, smoke and mirrors. I get it. But I'm just like baffled that they made a whole record artwork song titles everything video ready to go they shot it three weeks ago edited boom i am the proponent of saying that surprise releases don't work for rock and metal bands and i was on a recent podcast on the ghost call magazine podcast with we were running down albums of the year and i talked to my colleague vicky anderson who's a huge met club met family lifer and we were like will we get a new metallica record in 2023 and she was like nope at least not until 24 so we were wrong well this was... is not a surprise release sure it is it it's was still new. five it's still five months till it drops but like no warning they did even the do... fan club was not given a warrant like they just dropped a single in a video with like maybe a few hours right. to go no no standard that to up. me is a surprise drop not the whole okay, record fair. like fair a rapper enough. drops a whole record okay okay I misunderstood. But like yeah we're gonna get every a video for every song it's not gonna be much different than hardwired but right i'm agreed. just i'm um we'll talk about more next week i love the song i'm digging it listen to it a couple more times i like it more each time but and meat of the day is a uh, Schlipknot, the fourth one. The final. Something, something, I forget. Yeah, all hope is gone. That's the one. Um, we're going to bang through this, I swear to you, in less than 30 minutes. We're going to cover the whole album. We're going to cover the next 14 years of Slipknot history in about two minutes at the end. We're each going to sum it up. We're going to give a tier. We're going to give a score for each album we didn't do because we keep forgetting this every final episode of a series. I will not let us forget tonight. Well, let us not do a standard track by track this evening. No, I think we can bang through it because there's a lot of singles and hits and I'll carry. Okay. Still All right. I got you, bro. Well, what I, I, I here's what I'm going to say before we lead up into this album. What I find interesting about this one is this is the first Slipknot album where all nine members were involved in the writing of the Slipknot album. And most of the Slipknot members look back on this one as their least favorite. Until uh, now, <laughs> until <laughs> now, uh, the fans also seem to really not like this record. It has five hit singles, hits, legitimate billboard hit singles. Uh, I'm going to talk about the immediate aftermath of this, their fourth record in a row, fourth record in nine years, nine for nine guys. This mm -hmm. is the final record with all the original members, Joey and Paul. Paul passes on two years later. Joey is kicked out of the band five years later and then passes away just recently. So rough. But uh, one year ago, year and a half ago. Yep, so yep. 
just like wow. So where we left off really quickly to sum up the story so far, Slipknot is blowing up. They're touring all over the world. They're playing major European festivals. They're just barnstorming. They have now made, they are at this point, let's say 2006, you know, 2005, 2006, the band is on par with the biggest rock and metal bands in the world. Iron Maiden, Metallica, Ozzy Solo. Black Sabbath had yet to reunite, I think, at this point. Um, Not for an album. Bigger than, immediately leapfrog the whole big four except Metallica. Straight out. Even though they had, you know, just like... Right, right. Huge, 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 huge. And every time the band farts, releases a new mask, a new photo of them all, new, new jumpsuits for the tour, just the internet goes gaga. This is the saturation point of blabbermouth metal sucks metal injection hard radio i heart radio no no hard radio oh hard radio i don't know what that is um oh. no idea that was my I, metal news source for a long time back in oh, the early aughts i did not know this um and this is the rise of what we know today as for better or worse social media and internet journalism for metal and sure. just slipknot selling millions of records shipping platinum the last record into, you know, just like just banana balls. So they reconvene and there was some acrimony making volume three, the subliminal verses. And so they, but they still toured, not as much, but they still toured huge arenas. Like I said, headlining arenas on the strength of their third record right out of the gate. That's bigger. That's a bigger trajectory than any band ever. Foo Fighters, not Nirvana, not Pearl Jam. Just understand that, how big that is. That's why I say, when I say that, you know, there's a rap song, when I move, you move, right? Just like that. When Slipknot moves, the whole genre moves. And I know that people don't love them. Or they're Just too to, rappy. To give it a little bit of perspective, you had mentioned Nirvana. Nirvana never played arenas. In Europe, the last tour. And he hated it. Kirk hated think it. But I mean, think about how big Nirvana was in America and they never toured arenas here. Yeah, no. And he was against that, and he didn't want, you know, he didn't even like doing Lollapalooza. He was so mad. Um, They turned down Ozfest. Mm. Ridiculous. Um, So, yeah, man, they go in the studio to make the fourth record, and they really took a lot of time with this one. Not only did they all write, they all brought in demos. So they all, every member of the band demoed material for this album. And actually, Clown... And some of the other guys made so much extra material. There's a secret, unreleased whole album from this era that's supposed to be what Clown called their Pink Floyd before Dark Side of the Moon records. Like psychedelic soundscapes and weird Ooh. horror, horror nightmare sounding stuff. And it's never been put out except for one song and one outtake. So someday we will get that record or maybe never. I don't know. From time to time, Clown. You know, we when... still don't have household objects. They don't have a, <laughs> I know. Um, so they go in the studio, and part of the reason they don't like this record, and then we're going to tee it up real quick. Part of the reason they don't like this record is that they chose wrong on the producer. And I'm not saying they chose a bad producer because I really like this guy. He's been a stud for everybody else. They work with Dave Fortman, best known as the guitar player and co founder of Ugly Kid Joe, but also super producer, you know, down and a bunch of heavy metal bands, disturbed. He's worked with a lot of huge million-selling bands. Fair enough. But they did not like working with him. On top of that, 
they didn't leave themselves. They did so much pre-production. They didn't quite leave them. They did the Metallica and Justice for All, not the bass thing, but they didn't leave themselves enough time to properly a comfort level to re re record the album. And they had made the last couple of records, all their records in California, but the last two specifically at LA, Malibu is not LA, by the way, for Indigo Ranch in the first record, but they went into LA for a lot of the last record and they really, a lot of the bands didn't get distracted, partying. Again, members have problems with substances and problems. So they did this whole record in Iowa for the first time ever at home. Corey has a, a newborn son at this time, Griffin Taylor, now a grown up from the band Vended who has a, his band with the son of Sean Clown Crahan. And so, you know, Corey like working all day and then going home for dinner with the family. That was really nice, his ex-wife and his child. And um, other members of the band liked the comforts of being near family and having a, you know, time, a, a day off here or there to do family stuff is important. Clown uh, has, like, you know, a, a large family. He has a daughter that's passed away a few years back, but like he had a very large family, four or five kids, I think. So, and I think his wife has medical problems, I mentioned. So they go in a studio with Dave Fortman. They don't particularly like him. Uh, some of them were having troubles, but they still, you know, they worked in teams. They said they were efficient. They knew they were under a deadline. Some stuff felt rushed to them, but generally speaking, they like what they put out. Um no, at the time, they they felt like positive about the record. Looking back, they don't like it so much. Oh, well, everybody feels positive about the record during the cycle. I mean, right. So similar to the last record, all songs by the nine of them, with a few exceptions. But with this time, it actually was though. It really it really feels like a complete record, and we'll talk about that in a second. Again, what they set out to make was an experimental record. And the fans, even to this day, are very divided about this one. This is not experimental. It's just it's, it's more mature. It's ex I agree. I, it was experimental for them, and I'll talk about why and how. But um, I feel like it's a much more straightforward, like, uh, we'll talk about it in a second. I think it's a much more straightforward record than all their previous records. Agreed. Completely agreed. And that's why I liked it. So one of Nick's favorite things in the world, every time this Oh, yeah, they up, got me. They got, they got me. you, Execute, which is sort of a song. Sort of not a song to it's open the album. Sort of a song. It's not even an overture. It's, it's just a... Just no need for that, this. No, there's not. Make Move it on. part of the next song, which then would be a seven and a half, eight minute song, but make it part of the next song. First proper track of the album is Gematria, The Killing Name. Typical Slipknot opener. Banger. Brutal. Great, great verbose lyrics. Everybody firing in all cylinders. Jamming out. And a little political. And a little, first time ever that uh, considering this comes out in what is this? Oh, uh, eight. Am I remembering that right? It's uh, a little bit of anti bushy based on all the nation building we had been doing for the past seven or eight years. Right. Well, imagine like uh, volume three comes out in the wake of 9-11 and it's a very right. post 9-11 American album, if you will. Right. And this record is a very big reaction to the second term of Bush, too. Uh, w and uh and Corey has not been very like he's generalized about the class warfare and he's generalized about the us first them and the haves and had nots but never to this level on multiple songs correct correct yeah love it good track good track to start with good track then they start a string of singles some of the biggest songs of the band's whole career are the next few songs on this album hard to believe sulfur super catchy rock song uh, it's about four and a half minutes long, and it was basically mostly co-written, almost all, you know, pretty co-written by Jordison and Jim. 
And again, like I said, Jim started to assert himself on the last record. On the second record, he's more, he's taking over. You're getting any of the songs that are like straight up heavy rock is Jim Root, most likely. And anything with like a complex, dirgy, crazy, catastrophic guitar riff, it's almost always Mick or Paul writing it's like those Paul, it's, it's like Spinal Tap, man. They were lucky. They had two visionaries. And many, I think this band has three or four visionaries, four, three or four of the best people ever. You know, if this was sports, we would say, like, who's the best ex quarterback ever? You know, and they have two quarterbacks, an incredible, you know, wide receiver, and the two Hall of Fame linemen. Um, so Sulfur, any any thoughts on the track? No, uh, I I listened to this twice today. Uh, that I I have a lot more general feelings about the entire thing. It was a YouTube stream again. Um, I, I'll remember bits and bobs, quite honestly. No problem. I have this record back east in my storage of vinyl. So I have it. I don't have it here. Wish I did. Listen to it also on YouTube music. Very fine. Very fond of YouTube music. The the fourth track on the record and and maybe my second or third favorite Slipknot song ever is Psychosocial. Loved this one. This was a good one. Incredible chorus. Maybe the best chorus this guy has ever done in anything he's ever done. It is so good. That melodic, beautiful thing couched against these like brutal streamed rants. And that was one of the times where that worked for me. And that that juxtaposition rarely works for me. It never sounds natural. And in this song and in this album in general, it sounded natural. Very fair. Also, I'm going to say the breakdown at the end of this song is banging and like i said i I alluded to this in the warm-up to this part i feel like this record is more akin to what lamb of god was doing and unearth and kill switch engages more heavy stuff this reminds me a lot of kill switch engage and a lot of avenge sevenfold of a couple years previous and i don't mean that like derivatively or anything like that but the the kind of peaks and valleys and dynamics which they they each album goes into more and more of that which is why i've liked each album progressively more and when you and i think you mean pre guns and roses and metallica imitation event sevenfold metalcore event sevenfold not the f backcountry yeah. yeah which i love right. love that stuff no knock on them uh then another banging hit single mostly only written by Corey Taylor, Dead Memories, which is like a very, you know, for Slipknot, this is kind of like, it's not a ballad, but it's softer, right? It's got a very, it's sung almost all the way through with a few exceptions. And it's got some interesting melodic stuff and interesting chord, you know, key and chord changes, but it's pretty much like a rock song. It's not, it's not that Corey, Corey is the MVP on this record for me. And it's songs like this that make it that way. Totally fair. The next track, we're flying through these with lightning speed. Uh, I did the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs, which is not a <laughs> not a uh, measure of space and time, but anyway, not distance, space. Vendetta, back to the heavy, and the second half of this record is almost all just heavy as fuck. Uh, Vendetta's pretty harsh, pretty harsh track, very straight up and down. Agreed. And this is where it gets to the point of the record where my memory gets foggier and foggier, which is messed up. That's no problem. Uh, this record, I will say, ha- sticks. You know, we've discussed the recurring theme of the Slipknot records kind of tailing off. 
This one is very, yeah, this one's very akin to the second record where it definitely tails off a lot. And it's very akin to the first record where it's very front loaded. You, the first half of this record is just amazing. And then the second half of the record, it, it, for all intents and purposes, for me, it could be one song. Eh, there Not are a two, bad song. There are two but... other big tracks at the end of the album that kind of bookend it a little stronger, a little stronger ending. But there's this is the soft underbelly, to quote Nicholas J. Cameron. And um, I don't know yeah, what your actually. middle name is. Is it Aloysius? No, it's Edwin. Okay. I knew it was some kind of fancy Game of Thrones name. <laughs> Eddard Cameron. Um Butcher's Hook is next, and Butcher's Hook kind of reminds me of the first album of Slipknot with like a lot of grooves and a lot of, you know, it's not new metal, but it's like very power groove, Pantera, Lamb of God. It's it's Sepultura percussion metal. Hmm. That's that's what a lot of this reminds me of is that yeah. Sepultura Brazilian Kiawas, but electric all the time. But fair enough. Uh, next two tracks are two of my least favorite tracks. Uh, in general, by the I band. do you remember Gehenna, and that was a long. Yeah, that Ge- was Gehenna's good, long. but it's too long. A few verses too long. It's a little too long, but good tracks, not bad. Yeah, not bad. No, this, nothing on this album is bad. Yeah, this cold black solid. I can't recall it being great. Um, it's about the right amount of time. Good riffs. Where it wherein lies continue trying to get fancy with the long the song title wherein really it's not a legalese, bro. Um, another not one. Another one that's like twice as long as it needs to be. I'm it's sure only, somebody. This is somebody's only four favorite and a song. Half. No, this is wherein lies continue. Four, I think oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, look, I'm sorry. Five thirty-eight. Yeah, yeah five thirty. Uh, five is longer than I require from Slipknot, just yeah. in general. Yeah, unless it's and, an exceptional song. Right. Correct. And this is not it. And you, then you never, you, the exceptional song is never track nine. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, and then this is really interesting. So, I know it was controversial. This is a beloved song. This is Snuff, which is even softer than the second version of Vermilion. Like this is milk toast. I like it when they do that. Uh, They do it so well. Correct. They get really small as a band, right? Really, Nine guys become like a very tiny, tiny thing. Little little danger mice in Penfold. Okay. And I'm going to say like it. People were like not happy that they went back to that well. Like maybe they thought that Vermilion, Vermilion and Vermilion Two were gonna just be the one-time thing, and not keep you know Dead Memories is a very tuneful, beautiful song. And here we go again with a very beautiful, only written by Corey, tuneful song. No, you gotta. When it works once, it'll work twice. Fair enough. And then for the closing track of the album, the title track, "All Hope Is Gone," which is a banger. And was a hit single and had a video that got played and it was in their set list for years and still pops up. They love this track and they lo- and it's it's per- it's almost five minutes long, but it doesn't feel almost five minutes long. It's better when a band loves a track naturally, but uh, it, it is what it is. Um, for the record, uh, I I really enjoyed this one. I enjoyed it. I would put it probably number three out of four. For me, my ranking would go uh, volume two. All hope is gone. Not volume two. Uh, Iowa. 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 All hope is gone. Volume three. Debut. Really? The, I like the debut de- last. The debut has such a delightful quirkiness to it. 
where it doesn't sound like anything else. It for a very long time when I got into Metallica, Kill 'Em All was my favorite, even though Kill 'Em All was, I mean, frankly, their worst record. But it's got a delightful charm to it because it was the nouveau, it was the nouveau music. And that's what their debut is to me. It's that breakthrough that this is who we are. And then as each week goes by, they find out who more and more who they really are. Fair enough. I'm going to make an observation here. If you took out the DJ scratching and samples, there's almost no rapping on this. And this is their least new metal adjacent record. And like I said, it's, it's much, it's much less death metal than Iowa. It's, it's got more rock than volume three. And there's only a couple of raps. And if you took out the scratchy, scratchy and the wiki, wiki and the do, 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 do sound effects and things, this is their least new metal record. People did not like it. Their fans it's, don't like this record. And it's still got seven, eight great songs. Or at least at least six great songs and two very good ones. Agreed. And it it's it's an album that it's a departure project. It is very different than everything before. It's got a little bit of everything before it. It's enough, it's enough to have a brand, but it's far enough away to be to be a very very new direction there's a lot there was a couple of songs that were like we talked about last week they were rock songs with metal guitars where Corey is you know doing like that and i don't mean don't take this seriously or yell at me in the comments whichever that nickelback kind of delivery where it's a little gritty but still melodic and it's it's too gritty to be you know classic and it's too melodic to be metal so that that kind of soft space there and then there's a lot of it where there is serious riffs and huge as duncan puts it twiddle solos and blast beats and then the crazy conga drums like andy kaufman is is a member of a metal band finally living his other dream not being an entertainer not being a wrestler but being in a metal band playing the congas because like he did with frankie boom boom cannon sorry i watched a special on andy kaufman in memphis last night so on the brain doing andy kaufman here i call him the same thing um it's really interesting just just for one more second and then i'm gonna move forward and we're gonna time warp the the rest of slipknot's career in like literally two minutes and 10 seconds but like just for one more second on this album because i think it's really interesting they still they shipped a million maybe they had three singles out before the record dropped they shipped a million copies platinum out of the gate Right, they got it good, and the fans were mixed on this. The hits are undeniable, especially Psychosocial, Dead Memories, Sulfur. These are catchy. The Sulfur video is really cool. Uh, if you get the chance to go back and watch it, we really should watch the videos along with some of these things together. Agreed. Maybe, Agreed. Or maybe we'll do like a reaction show where we watch some of these. So we'll pick out like one thing from each series and do a video. That would be fun. Um, but yeah, man, it was dividing the fans. The most divisive Slipknot record until now, and we'll get to that in a second, until this year, the most divisive Slipknot record. Still a record people don't like, and and people go back to this as a failure, and I don't think it's a failure. I think this is when the band worked the best beside the debut, which no, again was really... A, it's not a failure. It's something different. And But I mean, one of the things I think we've learned about metal fans over the years is any, you know, any, you know, two standard deviations from the norm and metal fans got the pit the, the the torches and pitchforks 
look at Metallica's Fade to Black, look at Slayer's Rain and Blood or Diabolus and Musica. Look, I mean, there's so many things where a band try a metal band tried to, you know, just go down a slightly different road. It might have just been the alley behind the road. And they then they couldn't and they couldn't book a tour. So it is what it is. It is what it is. So really quick, I had to pull my phone out for this, my old phone, because my new phone is charging. This is mind-blowing. So this album comes out at the end of the summer. And they start June on tour as the headline band of the debut ever Mayhem Fest. (laughs) And this Mayhem Fest lineup is bananas, at least for the time. And I just want to quickly discuss the Mayhem Fest just the Mayhem Fest lineup really quick because I, again, so Slipknot headlines arenas, ships a million copies of their fourth record, goes on tour before the record comes out, headlining Mayhem Fest. This is the first Mayhem Festival brought to you by the guys who brought you Warp Tour in the 90s, Kevin Lyman and John Reese. Slipknot, Disturbed, Dragon Force, it's 2008, Mastodon, right on the heels of Crack the Sky, or just before Crack the Sky, Under Oath, Machine Head, under Oath was supposed to be uh, Seven Dust, and they dropped out, and Under Oath took their spot. Walls of Jericho. Miss those those folks. Uh, the Red Cord. Suicide Silence. Five Finger Death Punch next to the bottom. 36 Crazy Fists. And Airborne from Australia, who I just interviewed this summer. Wow. Uh, also, th- real quick. Uh, Airborne is one of Danny, friend of the show, Danny's favorite bands, Danny Nichols of Torchlight Parade, Three Fourths Francis, Beck Mork, and whatever else. I wanted to give him a shout out, and I have forgotten when he was over here last week, he gave me the new Torchlight Parade CD, Three Fourths Francis CD, and the new Beck Mork CD. I've only listened to the, the Torchlight Parade CD so far, and it's very good. So definitely check it out. Awesome. Shout out to Danny. We should have him back on sometime in 2023. We have two minutes and change left of the show, and I'm going to give you the next 14 years of Slipknot history in less than that time, and you will take us home right after I'm done. Crush I'll it. Let you, let you have some more thoughts. I doubt you do. I, oh, I would harsh. like your I, – I didn't give my tears. I'll do it real quick. Uh, debut album, all-time classic in the genre. Iowa, volume three, all hope is gone. So I know I'm a basic bitch, but it's one, two, three, four for me. Um I might have days where volume three is a little bit ahead of two, but that's because I was, you know, new to the game. Fair, fair. But the debut for me is un-F-withable. So, Headline Mayhem Fest, sell a million records out of the gate. Now they're going over to tour Europe, and in the next couple of years, they're headlining all the major European festivals, 2009, 2010. 2010, Paul dies, tragic, overdose in a hotel room. Very sad. Co-founder of the band. Right back to the beginning. I remember reading an interview with uh with Mick number seven when um when they were coming back. And it was weird. They still go on, I mean, they went on tour with like his costume and mask on a like a scarecrow on the stage to, yeah. to like, I mean Odorous, they did that with Odorous and Gore. That's but it's just like, weird. So weird. And then they had Donnie Steele come back, who was one of the early members of the band to play bass kind of off stage. And then eventually they let him come on stage a little bit, but he didn't really mask up that much. Um, they make a new record. It's it's all over the place. Just just grief stricken. Very good. They put out three more records since then. Uh, two in a row these last three years with the pandemic. 
The new record is the end so far. The band, this is why the band is the biggest band in the world. And this is where I want to finish. And if you have any thoughts on this, you can bring them and then we'll wrap it up. But the reason Slipknot is the biggest band in the world, they surpassed, almost surpassed Metallica. By the way, Metallica's two festivals, which I loved, were failures financially. Knotfest continues to never suck. The only time they've canceled anything, they've had two problems ever with the Knotfests. Knotfests are awesome. If you've ever gone, you should go. If they ever have one near you again. <clears throat> They had the one in Mexico City where their fans rushed the stage and broke the stage physically, and then they canceled the rest of the show. That was really Oops. scary. That was really scary. They set Evanescence's gear on fire. Evanescence was supposed to you know, go on right before Slipknot, set their whole stage gear on fire. Oops. Oops. And then the um, cruise got canceled. They were having their first not-fested sea, and it was can't kibosh because of the pandemic. And then logistically, when will they ever have another one? They're not sure. Just because they didn't get to do the first one, now it's a whole to do to try to book a new one but they have i don't know a dozen not fests all over the world they've collaborated with hellfest they've co collaborated with download uh, just made not fest part of those festivals lego blocked them on they are going to have three new ones in south america in the next couple of weeks chile colombia and argentina holy cow they have not fest germany they have not fest france they're doing not fest in india it's wild They've surpassed Metallica on some levels, not all of them. They put out their new album this year, The End So Far, their final record under their original contract with uh, Roadrunner, and it is wildly divisive. And we don't have time to talk about it all, but they opened with a piano ballad that sounds like Elton John. Most of the record is super heavy, but also experimental and some weird stuff going on. Uh, but it's got a lot of bangers, just like this one, very divisive. People did not have a thing to compare this album too until now. And so now all the Redditors and people are like, this album, so the end so far, is worse than All Hope Is Gone, which is amusing as hell to me because neither of these albums are bad. We actually, I love the Slipknot album. I had done a, a, a an online video review on YouTube and I love the record personally. I think I like, okay, the sequencing is not, it's weird to have it a piano ballad open a Slipknot record. It's very strange. Any 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 record that's not a piano, unless it's Tori Amos, Elton John, or Billy Joel. Yeah, it's just not. The, yeah, a Ben Folds, yeah, Dresden ben Dolls, Amanda Palmer. List is short. So yeah, list is short. Yeah. So this is this is we come to a close on this whole series. This is why I said like Slipknot moves the needle forward for everyone. The Knotfest Roadshow Tour, Not Festivals, Not Fests, Notfest.com. Their metal culture and music portal that rivals, Bla like, literally eclipsed Blabbermouth and Metal Sucks and Metal Injection, as well as Dwarf My, my Channel. And uh, honestly, it's a perfect delivery system for merch. They print their own merch. They probably print their own vinyl, even though they printed theirs with a mistake this time around because they changed the name too late. You know, you got to stand back and mark. Metallica doesn't have those things. Metallica doesn't have a website that everybody goes to every day. Metallica does not have huge festivals all over the world they headline someone else's festival so just saying i'm not saying they're big they're you know they are as nick yon they are face. it's like it's like uh one of my famous one of my famous hockey analogies it's like Sidney crosby or alexander ovechkin versus wayne gretzky alexander ovechkin just broke wayne gretzky's all-time record for most goals away it's career record he's also going to break wayne he's also going to break wayne gretzky's goals record but he's not going to break the points and he's never going to be half the player Wayne Gretzky was. But Fair in enough. some ways he will surpass. And it's a that's... whole different game. But I'm right. saying like, we don't even have another Slipknot on the horizon. And so no. like, I'm like, Slipknot no. is huge. They, you know, I don't think they're going anywhere by any stretch. 
Uh, it's up to other people to decide. A lot of the fan theories are that they tanked this new album to stick it to Roadrunner. Again, I think that's a, I've heard that bands do that, but I think that's a dumb idea. Uh, any other final thoughts on Slipknot? I, I'm glad we did this series. I know it wasn't your jam, but mostly, but you you know, they were not unenjoyable like some I of could, the other series we did, but you know, it's not your jam. I get it. I, I could see Slipknot, you know, doing a contractual obligation album and giving it all that kind of effort, but I don't know. I, I don't think anybody would, I don't think somebody would tank it, but you know, what do I know? Anyway, uh, as for Slipknot in general, I went into this band actively disliking them and actively uh being anxious about having to go through four weeks of slipknot and you requested that i listen to these albums at least twice each which i have done i apologize that i have not been as verbose as i could have been in the past but i'm doing everything i i tried i tried to give everything but i i gave it everything i could but what i did come out of this with is a love of Slipknot. And I am definitely going to buy that first album on vinyl. And that is something I never thought I would be able to say. I never thought I would ever say I enjoyed anything fucking Slipknot has ever done. And they are an interesting band. They are far more than I ever gave them credit for. And I'm glad we did this series. And I'm glad we pushed through it. And that is my thoughts on Slipknot. I have already given my final thoughts on the band. Thank you for humoring me in doing this series. Do we want to do any admin and announce the next series? Or we just yes, wait? we do. I, we have a chaser we, next week ready to go. Right, we're gonna drop the chaser, and then we are gonna take it easy on ourselves because it's the the holiday month. Uh, I have my wedding anniversary, my birthday, Christmas, and New Year's Eve next month. So I it's a big month for me. So we might uh, take I some can, time off, is what you're saying. No, I'm not taking any time off, but I cannot give you uh, the, I don't have the research time. So we are finally doing Kiss. Not only are we doing Kiss, but we're doing that 70s run. So get ready if you're watching this. We will put black bars over our, over our hindquarters for when we do this. But it's something we both know very, very well. So we won't have to spend hours and hours. And we're starting this in December after the Correct. chaser. And Correct. we're going to carry it into the new year. And then we're going to start with another chaser and whatever the next series is. Well, I actually, I want to finish it in. Uh, I want to finish it in December. And you want to just I bang through Kiss like. Well, I mean, they, their, their, albums are 30, their albums are 30 minutes long. I mean, it shouldn't be hard. Yeah, I guess. Uh, all right, no problem. I, it may only be three episodes to go all the way to 19 goddamn 80. You, you script it out, pal. And I'll I will I will do that. And that is everything. And I'm hoping we will have a special uh, New Year's Eve show and a New Year's Eve guest. We'll see how that goes. That's just my... All right, then. Let me know. That's all I got. Take us home, Daddy. It's your turn. All right, everybody. Thank you for checking it out with us. If you are listening, if you are there, tell us what you think in the comments. Whack a like. One of the things about a comment and a like, it is the easiest thing you can do to help us out. And that will give the algorithm a kick in the junk to let them let us let them know you're there. You put your elbow in your ribs. Let them know you're there. Put your stick in his teeth. Let them know you're there. So that is everything this week. Uh, it is the Glacier Musical Podcast. Does not play in Peoria. <laughs>